Remain standing for the reading from Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 49. Reading in Jesus' name. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet that it is I myself, touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they were still disbelieving for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it before them. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. The gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. And you may be seated at this time. Always uh, strikes fear in a preacher when he approaches the pulpit and his sermon isn't there. And uh, thankfully my wife had kept track of it for me. Thank you for that, Katie. Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you and we do praise you for your goodness and your faithfulness to us. Uh, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you enter into our lives. And when you enter into our lives, Lord, you bring us and you speak to us peace. Lord, you have opened our minds to know that you are the resurrected Savior. And by knowing that you are the resurrected Savior who has forgiven all of our sins, we indeed, Lord, are at peace at peace with you. So Lord, teach us about this peace and teach us about the reality that you have uh, removed our shame, you've taken away our sins and given us your peace. And help us, Lord Jesus, to share the reality of the resurrection with this world that we live in. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So considering our gospel lesson this morning, if you were to give to the disciples a grade, if you were to grade them based on their faithfulness uh, during Good Friday and the Saturday before the resurrection, if you were to grade the disciples on their faithfulness to Jesus during that time, what grade would you give to them? What kind of a grade would you give them? And, and as you consider the grade that you would give to the disciples, don't forget uh, that the disciples couldn't stay awake when Jesus had told them to, uh, to stay awake and to pray. Um, don't forget uh, that they ran in fear when Jesus was arrested. Don't forget Peter's denial. Don't forget the doubting, even the doubting after the resurrection. Don't forget the fact that, that none of them volunteered to testify on Jesus' behalf. Remember, as Jesus stood trial, nobody came to his defense as he stood trial. What grade would you give to the, to the disciples for their faithfulness 
on the Friday and the Saturday before Jesus' resurrection. I don't think I would give them a very good grade based on their faithfulness, based on their commitment to the Savior during those dark hours of Jesus' lives, of Jesus' last hours. Now put yourself in the shoes of the disciples on that first Easter Sunday. Imagine you are one of those disciples. After running in fear, hiding, and denying, how would you feel when Jesus entered into the room and there you saw the resurrected Savior? How would you feel? After all of the failure, after all of the sin, I would feel a deep sense of shame. Shame for running. Shame for hiding. Shame for doubting. For doubting what Jesus had predicted about going to Jerusalem, that he would would suffer and die and rise again. What great shame I would have felt as one of the disciples. A deep sense of shame. We all feel shame. We know what it is to be ashamed. We all feel it. There's a little story I want to tell about something that, that I'm ashamed of. has to do with my wife. And uh, I left her on top of a hill. I forgot her up there all day. All day long, she sat on top of this hill. Let me tell you the story. When I was a youth pastor in Marysville, we would send teams out to canvas the neighborhoods in preparation for VBS. So as the youth pastor, I said, hey, we we need the youth group here. We need everybody from the youth group here. We're going to meet at this time. And then I'm going to send you out on different routes around the neighborhood. And we're going to canvas the neighborhood so that we can get as many kids to come to VBS as we can. So about 20 kids actually show up that day to go door to door and to put flyers in doors. And so I had a a lot of people to keep track of. So I send them out on different routes in different parts of Marysville. And if you know Marysville, there's a, there's a hill, it's called Getchell Hill, and it goes up, and there are houses up there. And so Katie and another, uh, one of the kids from youth group were assigned to this route up there. And so we we're all finished, and I go and I pick up all the kids. Uh, we, we come back to the church, and uh, so then I send them all home. They all go have lunch. And that night was youth group, so I sit in my office and I prepare for youth group. Then all the kids start to come back for youth group, and we have this big uh, group of kids with with food and and games, and then I have a a talk that I would give, and, and then youth group's over, and all the kids go home, and I'm sitting in my office. And who walks in? Katie walks in. It was a hot summer day. Her face is red. And this other kid walks in, and he's got big eyes, and he says, you forgot us. Ashamed. Ashamed. And she still said yes. (laughs) She's a forgiving woman. Now imagine, imagine what could have happened to me. Katie could could have heaped more shame upon more shame upon me for doing that right. Uh, when, When I called the parents and I told the parents what had happened that day, that their son was up on top of this up on top of Getchell Hill all day, they, they laughed, but they could have made my life a, a nightmare for doing that. 
ashamed, ashamed. We know what it is to feel ashamed. But today I want to talk about the fact, I want to declare to you the reality that there is no reason for us to be ashamed. Because the resurrected Jesus has covered our shame by the shedding of his blood. We have the forgiveness of sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. Think of how the disciples felt when they encountered the resurrected Christ after three days of denying and doubting. Just imagine the overwhelming sense of shame from these disciples when the resurrected Jesus entered into the room and he showed himself and he proved himself to be alive. When our kids misbehave, we teach them to be ashamed of themselves, right? And this is good because a healthy sense of of shame is a good thing. I don't want my three-year-old to feel good about herself when she hits other people. I want her to have a good, healthy sense of shame for her wrongdoing. People who don't have a healthy sense of shame for their wrongdoings are given, actually, they're given a psychological diagnosis. You know what that diagnosis is? We call people who feel no shame, we give them the the title antisocial personality disorder. It used to be sociopath. People who have no sense of shame, there's something wrong with them. There's something wrong. They're psychologically ill. So it's, it's healthy to feel shame. If you have a healthy sense of shame, you know that you're doing well psychologically. So we tell our children to avoid uh, various vices and certain behaviors. We want them to to avoid the vices of youth. Uh, We've laid upon them the heaviness of the law. We want our kids to succeed in life. We want them to live faithfully before the Lord. We want them to feel the shame of their sin. Because we know that when people lose a sense of shame, it's a terrible thing. But in our quest, in our quest... To teach our children to be ashamed of certain behaviors, have we forgotten to teach them about grace? About the grace of our Savior? Have we forgotten to say, no matter how far you may have walked away from the Lord, no matter what sins you've committed, Jesus is always ready to accept you. His arms are open wide. His love for you is a love that is beyond measure. Have we forgotten to teach this? It's easy for us to lay the heaviness of the law upon people to correct their behavior. But we forget about Jesus. And that when Jesus comes to sinners, he says, Peace to you. Not shame on you but peace to you. Jesus is already, always ready to accept, to embrace, no matter what point, at what point you found yourself in sin, in disobedience, in doubt, and in unbelief. You see, we're tempted to connect our behavior to Jesus' willingness to accept us. We're tempted to believe the lie that says, If your behavior doesn't measure up, then you're out. Think about it. This is the way the world works. If your athletic skills uh, don't measure up, 
you won't be chosen to play for the team. If your job performance doesn't measure up, you won't get the promotion. In some families, if you don't measure up to a certain, uh, certain level of performance or behavior, then you're made to feel like you don't belong in the family. In some churches, if members don't, don't perform according to the unwritten rules that the church has set, then they're marginalized. So we live in, in a society and in a culture where, where our performance and our behavior counts for a lot. So no wonder we're tempted to apply worldly standards of behavior and of performance and acceptance to our relationship with God. It's completely natural to think, well, if this is the way the world works, then this must be the way that God works. Is this the way God works? Is this the way Jesus works? We're so tempted to believe the lie and we fall into the trap of believing the lie that says if I don't behave, if I don't perform, then I'm not accepted by God. He doesn't want me because I don't live up to the standard which he has set. So we need to be reminded of another reality. We need to remind one another of this reality. This world is tough. We are frail human beings. We are frail human beings who are prone to sin. And sin's lure is powerful. So if you fall headlong into sin, know that no matter how far you have drifted from Jesus, he still accepts you. He accepted Peter. Think of it. Peter denied him three times. He still loves you. His blood is still powerful enough to forgive, to restore, and to bring resurrection victory to your life. Now the disciples had abandoned Jesus. Think about it. At Jesus' darkest hour, the disciples Scattered. What did Jesus do with these doubting and disbelieving disciples? Did the resurrected Christ set out to find them and to lecture them? Did the resurrection Christ enter into the room and say, shame on you? Shame on you for doubting, for not believing, even after I told you three times that these things would take place? Notice from our reading in Luke 24, he didn't say, shame on you. No. He said, peace to you. Peace to you. Some of you might believe that if you came face to face with Jesus, he would say, shame on you. Shame on you. For not believing, for doubting, for sinning. You say that because you know the depth of your sin and wretchedness before a righteous and holy God. You know that you don't measure up to God's standard of goodness. You know that you have sinned and that you have fallen short of the glory of God. You might be tempted to believe that if you encountered the resurrection Jesus today that he would say shame on you. Shame on you. Shame on you for not trusting Shame on you for your selfish 
attitude. Shame on you for gossiping and slandering my children. Shame on you for the stupid sins of youthful passions. Shame on you. But this isn't the Jesus of the Bible. This isn't the real Jesus. Jesus comes face to face. He comes face to face with broken sinners and says, peace, peace to you. He says, I love you. He says, you are mine. Every other religion in the world demands behavior and performance from its followers. Actually, just about every institution demands behavior and performance. But Jesus says, I accept sinners. I accept all sinners, sinners who do not, sinners who cannot behave and perform according to the standards of my true and holy law. What amazing, what an amazing savior. Imagine a a professional sports team that welcomes players who never perform, never hit the ball, never catch the ball, never throw the ball to its target. Imagine that. None of us would be happy about that, right? And some of us may think that our sports teams are doing that from season to season. Imagine a company who welcomes employees who never show up, and when they do show up, they don't do the work they're called to do. (laughs) This is us. This is us as fallen human beings. We have failed. We have failed. We have not fulfilled God's demands. The Bible says that we have sinned and that we have fallen short. And when our boss, Jesus, shows up, he doesn't say, shame on you. He says, peace to you. Peace to you who repent and believe the good news of the gospel. Jesus is in the business of speaking peace over troubled and repentant hearts. Do you come with him? Do you come to him with a repentant heart? He says to you, peace. Are you troubled today? Does your sin trouble you? Maybe you're saying to yourself, what am I even doing here, sitting in church? I don't belong here. If they knew me, if they knew knew where I go, what I do, what I look at, what I think, what I say, if they only knew, we may not know, but Jesus already knows. He knows you. He knows everything. He sees everything. And he loves you. And he says, I forgive you. And he gives you peace to replace your shame-filled heart and mind. Jesus is with us this morning. He's present here right now. Did you know that? He's here. As real as my right hand is right now, so is the reality of his presence with you here today in this place. He's here. 
And he says, look to me. He says, look to me. Jesus even today says, come and touch me. Come and touch me. He says, take the bread. He says, take the wine. Take my body. Take my blood. Look, touch, taste, and know that I am with you today. I forgive you, my body broken for you, my blood shed for you. He says, I love you, you are mine, I have removed your shame, and I have replaced your shame with peace. Our resurrected Savior still comes to us, he still serves us, he still replaces our shame with confidence in his gracious work. He comes to us in the sacrament of the altar, the real presence of Christ in, with, and under bread and wine, the reminder and the reality of Jesus' body broken for us and his blood shed for us. So today, every baptized believer is welcome to receive of this gift. With open arms, Jesus says, take it, eat it, drink it, and know that it's a reality. I am present with you. Jesus is alive. Jesus is with us. And Jesus comes to your side. He comes to minister to you today. Know that Christ is your resurrected Savior, present with you this very morning. In the same way he appeared to the disciples, he still appears to us today in the ministry of word and sacraments. Jesus' resurrection appearance to us by means of word and sacraments, is actually the means which changes us. It changes us in the same way that it changed the disciples. He puts us on a new path, a new way of living, a new mission, a new purpose. Jesus' resurrection appearance changes the lives of his disciples. 2,000 years ago, Jesus appeared alive to the disciples. He proved himself to be alive in many ways, at one time appearing to over 500. The first disciples believed in the resurrection. And the reality of Jesus' resurrection changed them and it moved them to tell the world of this resurrection reality. The first followers of Jesus traveled the world telling others the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. They suffered unyielding persecution. They, they died terrible martyrs' deaths while proclaiming the message of resurrection. You see, their hearts were at peace. Their hearts were at peace. And because their hearts were at peace, they could go and share and suffer for the sake of proclaiming the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What an amazing thing. What an amazing victory that Jesus brings to us. The disciples came to understand everything written about Jesus in Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And we too have the true witness of scriptures. They testify to the reality of these things. And their very testimony is the power of God to create faith, to impute righteousness, and to empower us for mission. 
Jesus opened their minds to understand the events surrounding the death and resurrection. And he has opened your mind. And now you understand and believe these things to be true. You don't believe these things because you're smarter than other people. You believe in Jesus today because he has opened your mind to the scriptures. And now you believe. And now you too are changed. Changed by our resurrected Savior. Jesus is with us today. Not to heap shame upon shame, but to give you every resurrection promise. The peace of Christ. And having your mind open to believe and to trust that Jesus is alive, that he is the one who forgives. From shame to peace. This is the continual work of our resurrected Savior. What a gift. No gift is greater than the gift of Jesus Christ. You have received this gift. It is yours. God gave it to you. When you heard the message of the gospel, when you believed, Jesus took away your shame. All shame has been removed. And now you're at peace at peace with God. Now I want you to remember this, those at peace in Jesus, those at peace in Jesus cannot keep the peace of Jesus to themselves. Those who are at peace with him cannot keep it to themselves. We are those who are compelled to share, to tell the world, so that the world will know who Jesus is. We have been brought from shame to peace by the resurrected Savior. Not so that we can keep it all to ourselves. You have been called to bring the power of his resurrection peace to this world. And I love these Easter texts. I love these passages during the season of Easter because not only do they tell us about the resurrection of Jesus, but they also move us almost immediately into the mission of the disciples. If you study the sermons of Jesus' disciples in the book of Acts, their message is ultimately about the resurrection of Jesus. They bore witness to the reality of his resurrection wherever they went, and they proclaimed the resurrection to people all over the world. And these people who heard, who believed, who trusted, were brought to peace. So it's not a peace we keep to ourselves, it's a peace that we share. Looking once again at our gospel lesson, then he opened their minds, Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Listen to this, you are witnesses of these things. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. This is the mission of the church. And because this is the mission of the church, this is your mission too. Jesus is with you today. 
He is with you today to fill you with his peace. But he's also present with you today to send you on mission. To send you as his forgiven, peace-filled disciples into a lost and broken world. You have everything you need to go. On Easter, I encouraged you to write down a name, the name of someone who doesn't know the peace of Jesus. I hope you wrote down a name, or at least you have a name in your head. And I hope you're praying for that person. Who are you praying for? Who's that neighbor? Who's that friend? Who's that family member who does not know the peace of Jesus Christ? Are you praying for that person? They need Jesus, and you may be their only link to Jesus. So pray. Pray for them. And if you don't know an unbeliever, I encourage you to get out there and to meet one. They're everywhere. I don't know if you've noticed it. It's not hard to find. Maybe you need to go to a neighbor you've never met and said, hi. Make a stranger a friend. And by making a stranger a friend, you will be given an opportunity to bear witness to the reality of the peace that has come to you by the resurrected Savior. You are filled with the Holy Spirit for a purpose, and that purpose is to share the good news. To share the good news of Jesus and to share the good news of how you have been brought from shame to peace. So today I'm going to give you a little assignment. Now that you have a name, somebody that you're praying for, a person you're concerned for, I want you to write your testimony. Put your testimony down on paper. Get a piece of paper out and write it out or type it out on the computer. This will help you to be able to articulate your story of Jesus bringing you from shame to peace. Because each and every one of us has a testimony. We have something to bear witness to. Jesus brought us from shame to peace. So write your story down. How did Jesus bring you and how is he continuing to bring you from shame to peace? And then I want to challenge you to share that story with someone. Pray for an opportunity to share it. And when the Holy Spirit gives you opportunity, do it in a natural way. Let me tell you what my faith means to me. And share your story. I want to set a vision for Maple Park. And it's my prayer that each and every one of you see this vision too. I see people in this community, in the homes around this church... I see people here encountering the resurrected Savior through the faithful and continual witness of the members of this congregation. That when we would leave this place, we would be a people who bear witness to the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that they too can be brought from shame to peace. That's my vision. That's my vision.
Someone figured out some statistics. I heard this from the International Service Coordinator of the denomination I was a part of before. From Lutheran Congregations and Mission for Christ, and he said it takes 1,000 Lutherans one year to make one new disciple. Did you hear that? 1,000 Lutherans one year to make one new disciple? It's not hard to go out and to find people and to share with people. I'll tell you a story. We had a garage sale last summer and uh, we had lots of stuff out there that we were selling and lots of people came to the garage sale. And then there was a lady from the community who, um, who's from, from Manchester, England. And she's a transplant from there to the United States. And uh, <coughs> she loves Jesus. And she was changed by Jesus. She was brought from shame to peace. So here she comes to our garage sale. She's going through the tables. And as she encounters people who are at the garage sale in my garage, she was saying, handing out these little Bible verses on cards, and she was saying, Jesus loves you and I want you to have this. And then she'd hand out this folded up testimony that she wrote about herself. And, and I was watching as people interacted with her, and she brought a smile to their face. Nobody was offended. They were actually grateful that somebody cared enough about them to say, Jesus loves you and I want to give this to you. Um, I felt ashamed because I was the pastor. After all, it was my garage. And why wasn't I sharing the gospel, right? Another time, another uh, couple came to our church, uh, Eric and Kelly Rodriguez. They moved from Florida into our area. They came to our church and and uh, Kelly, in a laundromat, started talking to a woman. And she began to share her testimony with this woman at the laundromat. It was very interesting because, uh, you, you know, you automatically think if you start talking about religion, because those are one of the things we're not supposed to talk about, politics and religion. Uh, here she is, just sharing her testimony. And she says, let me pray for you. And she prays for this woman who didn't know Jesus, and then the tears started coming out of, uh, you know, coming down her face, and she said, thank you so much, nobody has ever done anything like this for me before. And I'm not saying that every, every time you go and you share that people are going to love you and, and, and they're, they're going to uh, accept what you have to say, but still there are so many people in this community that need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And you, you, have been empowered for this. You have been given everything that you need. You have been brought from shame to peace. Such good news. Let us be a people in this community who share these realities. Amen. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you.